Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the CU20 podcast. In this episode, we have an interview with Nick Nardi. Nick graciously agreed to speak with us about what it means to be a Christian in the workplace and how to find God's will in a hyper-professional and hyper-competitive environment. It was an incredibly good conversation. Now, I'm sad to say that the first 10 minutes of the conversation were cut off And so we're not able to have them today. During those 10 minutes, Nick was telling us about his testimony of becoming a Christian at the age of 25 and how God saved him out of a life where money was fast becoming his God and he was beginning to do whatever it took to get more money. God radically changed his course of life and set him on a new path, one that has gained a huge amount of benefit for him throughout his life and his career. If you're interested in what it means to serve God in the workplace, to find out what God's will could be for you going forward in life, then I'm sure there'll be something in this podcast for you. I want to thank Nick for taking the time to speak with us. I want to apologize once again for the missing audio. If you want to find out more about Nick, some more of it will be in the show notes, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you ever want to get in touch with us, You'll find out the email address in our podcast show notes as well. We hope you enjoy your listening. Evaluation, so people would, you know, they would know I'm Christian, so I couldn't just start cussing, drinking, getting drunk, or doing things, you know, you know, lying, cheating, and stuff like that. I always felt that if I put it out there, I, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't um, let God down. And um, so I always brought it up front. And what was very interesting is that I believe God tools everybody. Everybody is in a mission every day once they open their eyes, no matter where God puts you. So whether it's in music, whether it's in hospitals, whether it's in school, whether it's at work, I think you, my priority would be, can I bring God the kingdom first? And that's really where I was inspired through not only being in business, and I could tell you that the success I had were all given by God. I could I worked hard. As a matter of fact, I worked too hard. I used to work nearly up to 100 hours a week and still, de- still desired to do more because, A, I am a type A, very competitive. Um, but that was because also I thought of helping God in, in doing things or needing to be the best to, to feel that God would be well represented. So um, at this point, um, I was reaching out to Chris and to uh, Pastor Ken because A, our church is close to two things, A, the universities and also the business sector. And there's a lot of young Christians that might want to be going on business. And I really want to open their eyes to say, or, or, you know, men and women that um, we can be fantastic witnesses and touching people who are maybe very rich outside, but are probably poor inside. And as the Bible says that it's harder for a rich person to go to heaven than a camel to go through the eye of needle. And, and, and therefore there, you know, for, every, for anyone who has this kind of calling, I thought we, it'd be a great time to get together and maybe share on how to, to do business uh, and with very practical um, help, you know, how to raise capital, how to put in sales organization, you know, and so on and so forth, to how do we then also be shining lights or salt, as I like to say, also to... Uh, to the people that God will put in front of us within the business context. So that's what kind of brought me to uh, join you tonight. Um, it's really a heart for bringing a lot of the business experience, but also the, the, the I, I always consider myself a tent maker. So I'm, I said, I'll finance myself to serve God wherever he puts me and, and put God first. So for anybody who has that kind of burden, it would be my, my joy to share. Uh, I like if leading for me is serving. So it's to help 
And as Jesus washed feet, I, I tried to be very humble with trying to help people and not, um, how do I say, lord over over anybody. So, um, and also just to give you also an idea, if you want to do startups, I, I ran an incubator. I had 57 startups in my portfolio, 55 made it to break even. Um, so lots of lots of vaccines to 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 help people maybe you know, also do their business and and not get overwhelmed by business because we could be workaholics we could be how could i say wanting to do too too much for god and at my my conclusion now that i'm 50 years old i really feel that it was always god that gave me the results that were needed for his kingdom to be represented you know and and he's amazing, and he's faithful. As the songs that uh, Grace, uh, sorry, Hope was, was bringing to uh, to us today, it's it's amazing, you know, that he's he's present on all the details. And you know, I was reading in Daniel six today, where Daniel serves King Darius, and he's serving him so well, so excellently, that he's about to be promoted. But all the other people just get angry at him and they think they're going to try to, they try to find something to knock him down from his excellence of service. It wasn't a religious service. It was business service, you know, but Daniel every day prayed three times a day. And the only way they thought they could, you know, find a flaw in him or, or, you know, kind of trap him was through his, his dealings with God. And that's where they, they try to set up a law or they set up a law that anybody who prayed outside, you know, to any other God, but to, to, to Darius would be throwing the lines down. And it, for me, it serves as a backdrop that as Christians, we have to be excellent. We can be excellent, but it has to also be on the strength of God and to shine for God. Because everybody knew that Daniel was a Christian because they knew that's the only place they could get him. And um, so that's also the backdrop for me as um, um, that could be of interest. So that, that is a, maybe a long introduction, but uh, I thought I'd give you some context. I appreciate it, Nick. Thank you. So I think you touched on it a little bit already, but um, being in a world that is so performance-driven and results-driven, and I think typifies the type of, I guess, uh, American dream lifestyle of like, you know, you can have it all. And someone who's, who's made a lot of ground towards having it all, you know, I, I'm just curious, though, uh, looking back, as you've already touched upon, what has been the most satisfying, most fulfilling thing that you've done in your life or over your life? Well, to be honest with you, what I find most important is having had God and Jesus in my life, it kind of gave me that moral compass that allowed me to go through life and make decisions like pay my taxes, you know, simple things without being the heavy duty things, but it also could be the simple things that really frees you. So having Jesus and the Bible as the moral compass, it kind of gives you the parameters to, to make decisions so that um, you won't how could I say, um, really get hurt, <laughs> you know, by doing some wrong decisions by, uh, you know, and it could be all kinds, lying, cheating, and, and, and so on and so forth. And I avoid, I, I didn't avoid all of them, but as a whole, I, I avoided a lot more than, you know, knowing who I was before being saved at 25 years old, where I was really considering to be a drug dealer because I thought we could make it bucket load of money, which they did, but I never saw the dangers that then you could get shot, you know, uh, and, and so on and so forth. But it was amazing. I said, wow, my life is really, really simple. I don't have, you know, a divorce behind me. I don't have scars and, and, and stuff like that. And I said, what a blessing having just had Jesus and the Bible in my life to avoid making really, really crazy decisions. Yeah, that's true. I like it. I think it, it often goes unnoticed that there's legitimate, real, reasonable reasons why God tells us to live the way we live. You know, they're not arbitrary rules. They're grounded well, rules. And I'm 58 now, so I got a lot more living. And I could actually cry 
in thinking of the things I would have done if I didn't have God in my life. I would have pierced myself with all kinds of grief mm -hmm. that it's just by the grace and the mercy of God that I, I avoided them, not by my flesh. My flesh was running 110 miles an hour there. So I could literally cry saying, God, you've spared me from so much suffering just because of your, your word. Mm -hmm. What are some of the, what are some of the, I guess, challenges of being a Christian in often environments where number one, you might be the only Christian and number two, there are certain pressures to kind of skirt the rules or to kind of be very performance driven and put, you know, like uh, performance over everything else and kind of achievement being your God. I'm sure there's some unique challenges there too. And, and those are real, you know, especially if you're wired to be performant and, you know, I was very wired on that. Just to give you an example, at one point I broke my arm playing football in, in seven places and I couldn't do any exercises. So I decided to do sit-ups. And at one point I started the first day, I remember doing 30 sit-ups and then the next day I did 60 sit-ups. And then the next day I said, let's do a hundred. And then the next day I said, let's do 300. I actually did 6,000 consecutive sit-ups just to give you an idea of, of how, you know, performance driven, you know, if this, it was never enough. Y'all, I always had to do more than what I always did. I was always challenged to say, if somebody tells me to do 10, you know, I said, why not 20? You know, and, and that came also from my background. Like I said, having special forces dad, it was never happiness. And, you know, it was like, there's never enough and, and so on and so forth. So I was kind of broken on, on. So having that background and then becoming an entrepreneur, there's, a, you know, there's always this need to, I, I got to do better because, you know, this, this whole company's going to go down the tubes if I don't, you know, we don't get, generate that kind of cash. And there's a fear when you do a startup, it's a bit like immigrating, you kind of land in a new place and there's, everything's coming at you very quickly. And, and there's a lot of energy and, and, you know, stresses and you feel like you have to work hard because you think well god put me here but the end i you know it was a little blurry at the beginning where i just stopped and where good god was really in control so that's that was a very tough challenge and i, I could only say I, I licked it maybe two three years ago so it's not something that just goes away because you pray it. There's a lot of experiences to go through. And, um, and I found it very challenging because then you have people around you also, oh, you're great as an entrepreneur. People say, oh, you, you're doing so great. And they, you know, they, they kind of, um, I guess adulation is, is also kind of, um, um, addictive also to, uh, to say, oh, okay, now, you know, people are thinking good stuff. I'm sure it's like in social media when you're trying to, when you have a lot of followers and stuff like that, um, being successful at business also brings that. And that's a challenge in by itself uh, to say, no, it's God. It's all God's doing. And he's got a purpose for that success or that failure because they're equally important. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um <clears throat> Just to switch it up a little bit, uh, I, I guess it touches upon the issue as well. Um, how would you say ambition is framed in a biblical framework? Because what you're touching upon is is very much being ambition driven, but there must be parameters around it or just a different definition when you bring a, a biblical perspective into it. And so, I mean, how would you how would you say God and ambition kind of go together? Um, I think, I think what really was the secret for, for being successful is being in the word of God every day, literally every day was what also harnessed all the drives, the humanity that one could have. Mm -hmm. So if you're ambitious, I, I don't think it's wrong, but if you kind of also know that God's number one and you can ground yourself every day mm -hmm. because, um, to do things for the sake of doing things is very attractive and we all fall, fall for it, but it gets old very fast. And then you kind of have to do, you know, what, what am I going to do more? And it can become an idol mm -hmm. very easily, at least for me. 
um, where I thought, you know, was God giving me the um, drive, the um, tools, the experience to excel at being somewhere to serve him became a much, much better quest. Um, a quest where you could actually say, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I met a gentleman called Paul Henderson. And for many of you, you might not know him, but Paul Henderson is the gentleman that scored the, um, the goal against the Russians in the final game in 1972 that beat the Russians, where the Canada beat the Russians. And uh, Paul Henderson was very interesting because he was in Christian when he was a hockey player and scored that goal. And that fame nearly killed him. He literally said, <laughs> I got so overwhelmed by so many things, but I, um, I um, became a Christian. Then I saw that God gave me that goal to be able to talk to hockey players in a way that they'd listen to me because I was Paul Henderson, but also now was able to bring that God was the most important thing, more important than the goal. And he was a, he's a great witness to all the hockey players. And I am sure with Anthony Calvillo, you know, the, the quarterback for, uh, for the uh, Alouettes, probably the same thing. He could, you know, his excellence and the work ethic that he had to put to get there was then used to be a, a shining light to budding football players, um, and, and, and God knows they need some, some, some help because the fame, the fortune is very, very um, uh, stressful. So I'd say excellence is, is good, but you need to be grounded in God every day so that it doesn't become your end game to be excellent and recognize it's saying that God is going to bring me here as he did to Joseph you know, when he made it before making him become prime minister of Egypt, <laughs> you know, he, uh, he had to go through 13 years of jail, you know, on, on, for, for the, you know, for something that he didn't do, you know, but God tooled them to be able to handle the fame, the fortune and the power that he would have. So that's where I think that's how you could handle, you know, ambition, um, it's by grounding yourself in the Bible every day. Something you mentioned to me one of the last times we chatted is that you always kind of feel like you're the richest man in the room. Um, and even though you're surrounded by people who objectively or financially speaking, maybe, you know, a light years ahead of, uh, you know, the rest of us in terms of wealth, you feel like you're the richest man in the room. And I'm just wondering about the, the sense of like freedom that that gives you in life? Do you feel like that's a really kind of critical perspective to keep? Well, it is because, um, so just, so when I ran, uh, I restructured a vineyard and the owner of the vineyard is a, is a neighbor of mine. His name is Francesco Bellini. And he basically developed the 3TC molecule to be uh, part of the treatment of AIDS. And um, that molecule was so successful that it actually saved millions of people's lives. And also uh, he sold this company for to Shire for $6 billion, just to give you a context of how wealthy he was. Um, and there's one thing about working with Francesco is that he's never happy. <laughs> you know, I, you know, and it was a pure, pure, clear case that money doesn't buy you happiness because he was always miserable. And, you know, he had two, two corporate jets to himself. He had everything in spades. I mean, you have no idea, you know, how much money they, this guy has. Um, but he was not bringing joy or peace or happiness um, because he didn't have the Lord. And, and um, also my, uh, the, the founder, I worked for Constellation Software. Constellation Software is probably one of the most successful companies in the world. They've actually outperformed Google, Apple, Microsoft, Facebook on, on the stock market. And uh, Mark Leonard, who's the founder, very humble looking guy. He's a multi-billionaire too, but he's an atheist. You know, and he doesn't believe in God. And it's funny because I said, whenever I'm in the room with Mark Leonard, you know, I'm still the richest, you know, because I have Jesus and I, I got my ticket paid into eternity, which is a much bigger, how could I say, lifespan. And, uh, and there's only one price to 
be paid in this blood of Jesus. So that richness and putting that at the forefront of your thinking so that the money doesn't kind of become that bling bling to attract you is, uh, is very important because it's um, the love of money is the root of all evil. And it's really easy to fall in love with it or think I need more or I, I need this. God is actually sufficient, period. It's not God and it's God is more than uh, sufficient. So I, like I said, and I've seen it because I have billionaire friends that they're not, there's no joy in their life. There's a lot of stress. You have no idea. I have the Demare friends that they literally have to have guards around their kids just because they could be kidnapped. I mean, Lady Gaga got her dogs kidnapped and, and her, her dog walked her shot. You know, that's, that's, that's the realities of also of lots of money. So it's not something that you really want to wish for. Um, but having God and knowing that God chose us and we don't deserve it should be like, wow, I want the biggest lottery in the world when Jesus, you know, I got one last question for you and then we'll open it up uh, to anyone else who, who wants to ask a question. And, and for that, uh, maybe if you could just use the raise hand function on your, <clears throat> on your account and then it'll stack it according to who raised the hand first. And I guess we'll try our best to get through. I don't know how many we'll have, but if we have a lot, we'll try to get through as many as possible. But my last question for you is uh, who is a role model for you and why are they a role model for you? Uh, actually, the, the two role models are, that I love the most is their biblical models. So one is Joshua, you know, and Joseph. Yeah, those those are the two. Um, Joshua, because he was a general, and when he came to Jericho, he had the skill to attack. But he actually obeyed and he submitted himself to, to Jesus and and said, I will do what you asked me to do, God. And he actually did a very foolish thing. He walked around a wall for, for seven days and didn't do any military things that he knew how to do, probably to the point that, you know, certainly the people from Jericho kind of found him. He probably had, you know, been sunstroked. And, you know, why are we worried about them? These guys are weird. And probably his, his own army was probably saying, come on, Joshua, let's, let's do what, you know, we typically do to, to, to take over a city. And he obeyed. And at the cost of looking like a fool. And I, so I'd say that that is always what I say as a Christian, you might look like a fool. But when you trust God and say, let go and let God, and uh, you're not going to look like what the world will expect you to do. But it's amazing. I mean, you could say the same thing about Joseph or, or Daniel, as a matter of fact. You know, they did put God first. And that's that's really my my role models that are are very key, you know, in my life that always help me say, as a businessman, put God first, trust him, let go. And I, I have events that, you know, were were miracles, you know, in 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 my successes, they were definitely not were given by God to further his kingdom. Thanks so much, Nick. Thanks for sharing. And I think what's so important for me is to rectify a lot of the, a lot of the gap that's been caused throughout a long time in church history, where we've really, as a church, ignored the realm of work and kind of relegated it as, oh, it's not, it's kind of, it's not, we don't have much to say about it. At least that's how the church thinks uh, quite often or acts. And to, to meet someone who has discovered that the importance of work and how it how you feel called to do what you do, even though you what you do could be quote unquote secular, which I think is a really bad distinction, um, you still see that as a calling from God. I think it's so bang on and so refreshing to hear. I really appreciate that you've taken your time to come and chat to us. So if anyone else has questions, please feel free to ask away. I don't know. I can't see a lot of you. So if you... so, so feel free to ask even business question, because I actually, um, I presented McGill and at Concordia in the, in the MBA course for, for entrepreneurial studies or finance. So, um, or even your desires of business or startups, uh, you know, I think that's part of how I saw this is, you know, I, I, I really want to, in my heart, there's, 
there's work and there's there's missionary work and I really want to work on the where things overlap mm-hmm. you know because they're both important and steel sharpens steel both in the business of understanding business but also understanding how Christians should you know we should behave in business and we need other people around us to um, to, to, to kind of hold us not just to account but also help us move to the next level so that you know if somebody learns something, at, the, at a high cost of experience, you know, he could share it so that we kind of, you know, half the cost of that experience. And, and, and I could do a lot of that, you know, because like I said, I, uh, I had 55 startups making it to break even in my incubator. And uh, I could tell you that most of these companies had time to bankruptcy measured in days, you know, and, uh, and, and most, most of them made it through. So, uh, so I, I'm open for any questions, whether it's on the Christian side, on the business side, and how we can get people to think of um, Christian business missionaries, you know, mm-hmm. because it also helps, you know, give money to the church and fund. That's also what's very interesting as, a, as some of the consequences. And I know there's some some wonderful businessmen at at at, at church that that give a lot. I, I don't want to mention names because I'm sure they they rather not know what the right hand does with the left hand's money. So so they're very humble, but um, they're they're amazing at, at that. So go ahead with any questions if, if there's any that come to your heart. Uh, hi Nick, yes, uh, I have a question. Uh, I'm Alex. Bonjour, Alex. Uh, so, from uh, your talk, I understood that you were you've been working in the you've been doing rollups for a good part part of your career. Just re- yeah, the for the last five, last five years, yes. Oh, the last five years, okay. Uh, okay, so my question is, uh, you know, from an outside perspective, from the business world, it kind of looks like the gladiator arena. If you know what I mean? Like everyone's trying to fight and kill it. Like businesses are trying to fight against each other, or how would you say that uh, being a Christian and having the Lord, um, how does it work in this environment? Like, what's the what's the work of God in this environment? What does it look like? I always said, you know, even from a business point of view, I said I never had competition. I only had ignorance as the real competitor. If you really, you know, when I was sales, I said, if somebody, if I don't know my customers need better than some other person, actually that customers should go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I always said I had two competitors, my ignorance about the customer's need and my inertia to do something about my ignorance. <laughs> yeah. Because you could say, like, I really don't understand and do nothing about it. That doesn't do. And, and because I was a Christian, I always said, I don't want people to buy my products from my company or for myself um, or that they sell the company to me unless I was really, really, really the best answer for their, their needs, their pains, you know? So I always eliminated competition as the other people are competitors as much as if you didn't have them, A, um, it wouldn't be a real market most of the time because if you, you think you're alone and you should be alone, that's, you know, well, <laughs> it, it, you know, there's not much of a market or literally you're, you're, you're thinking like, the mafia things. You know, they say that we don't like competitors and we'll do away with it. And I and I mentioned that because I had a friend that was an ice cream business that was in the mob and he couldn't understand competition and he beat the people out of the market, you know, literally physically. <laughs> so I think the important part is really to say, you know, do I do I serve him best? And if not, why don't I tell him this guy could serve you better or he has a better price, he's got a better product and so on and so forth, or you should be bought by this entity um, because it, it just matches with your project, you know? So I never had competition except me. And um, and if I didn't want to do nothing about it, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I lost, and that's a good thing. I don't know if that answers your question. Is that... Okay, well, yes, what I understand is that you're saying that your focus was always on the customer and serving the customer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't try to beat anybody out. I just, um, I really wished, and I think as a Christian, just, just, you know, like feeling inside, I just want to serve. 
the customer. And if it wasn't me, the right answer, don't go, go there. And it, so I'll, I'll give you an anecdote. So I worked, I did a startup in Italy and, and, and Italy is a lot like some of, of the Latin American countries because I also worked in Brazil. Um, yeah, people like to screw each other. <laughs> it's kind of the norm. You know, they, they, you have to be very careful. And I went to a customer and he sat me down. He said, uh, Mr. Nardi, I am terrified of you. I'm absolutely terrified of you. And I, I was completely shocked when he said that to me. And I said, well, why is that? His, his name was Isaiah Duo. He, he had a plastic mold-making mold company in the Piemonte area. And uh, he says, I've never seen somebody be so honest as you. And, and I'll, I'll never get screwed like you, you're going to screw me because I don't see you coming. <laughs> I've never seen you. So he was absolutely petrified in a real way. He says, I, you know, I could see other people coming and what their, their angle is. I don't get you. And I'm so scared of you because you're going to do me in like I've never been done before. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I felt like the poor guy, you know, it's like somebody being battered every day. And if he doesn't get a beating, he feels like, oh, what's wrong? You know, and, and I said, no, I always said, let my yeses be yeses and my no be no's. <laughs> you know? But it was it was incredible. And, uh, you know, the effect that it has on people, uh, I was shocked. <laughs> you know? But that's that's being light and salt. You know, uh, I did. So any other questions? We got one from Aaron next. Hi, Nick. Thank you so much for sharing your testimony. It was really good and I really enjoyed it. Um, my question to you is, um, you said that you see your business, all the places you've worked as uh, a mission field. And I agree to that, but how would you, how would you use that mission to preach the gospel? Do you have any tips or anything you can share, maybe testimony or something? Cause I, yeah. I have a lot of difficulty with that. So. Yeah, I, I think the, the easiest thing is not trying to be a Christian in a kind of, you know, in, in a, people will really notice the difference in your caring for people, you know, and genuine care, that real love. You know, when I was trying to help that person that was on, on the street and I didn't love them, you know, that's not Christian Christian testimony. I was just doing the Christian acts, but there was no love behind it. I think when you love your people and you care for them and you serve them, in it by itself, it's it's so different than what the world has to say that people get attracted to that. And and therefore, I think, you know, I, I, I don't remember what saint said that, but it's one of the you know, early saints and he said, you know, everybody should preach the gospel. And if, if it's necessary, use words, you know, it, it should be your actions. So, but I, I did try also many things like doing Bible studies at work and just saying, you know, people who are interested, you know, want to know about the Bible, come, we'll have Bible studies. And it, it had some effect. Uh, it was, it was sometimes I was alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, I think that the real thing that people look at is how you treat the people on a day-to-day -day basis. You know, they, they, are you losing your temper? Are you performance driven? Are you going to lose it because somebody didn't do quite what needed to do as opposed to helping them, you know, and that will speak volume because they're those little things that people really, really notice and it makes a difference. So I, I didn't, try to be like, yeah, sometimes I even had my John 316 poster and, you know, <laughs> crosses, anything that kind of a Bible on my desk, you know, uh, I used to put you even on my, you know, I used to put a verse at, on my signature, in my emails, uh, stuff like that. So try many things. Um, but I think it's, it's where your heart is. And then God, God is going to just bring the people who wants you to be touching. So we have Phil next, if that's good with you, Aaron. I'm sure it is. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. Oh, hi. Hey, Phil. Uh, hi. Uh, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Um, my question is 
just a, a simple one. Um, what does your everyday look like? Um, and what I'm trying to get at here is the kind of the, the balance between maintaining a healthy spiritual life when you have so much, so many obligations, uh, so many stresses faced at work, like uh, from what you were saying, you know, when you have a startup and you're measuring T minus seven days to bankruptcy. Yeah, actually, it's called TTB, time to bankruptcy. <laughs> yeah, time to bankruptcy. And it's measured in, it can come down to hours. Absolutely. You're waiting You're waiting for cash flows. Um, you have other people who aren't paying you and you're running after them to get the money before the week is out because otherwise the company's going to go bust. And, you know, you have all these other million other problems. Uh, payroll, obviously. You have... Uh, labor issues, disputes, <laughs> the lawyers not getting back to you. And then all of a sudden you have to have some kind of religious obligation or like in some sense, uh, the spiritual realm can seem so abstract. Like it doesn't, what does, what do all of these things of the earth have to do with? And oh, by the way, at the end of the day, you're sick. You know, like in some sense, it just doesn't, one doesn't talk to the other. Like, how do you, maintain that when uh, your TTB is 168 hours away? Um, that God, so the answer is, and it's a very clear answer, God will provide in the pre- proper time. And it actually could be past your TTB. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's it, as I was reading the story of Daniel, I mean, God could have stopped these, these satraps from even figuring out or even getting through the door to see him pray, but he didn't, <laughs> you know, he got him not, you know, he could have had Darius said, well, I changed the rules, even though the Persian means he can't repeal the r- rules. So he doesn't even get thrown into lion's den. Right. And he actually gets thrown into the lion's den. <laughs> and you got to also think that, if something's going to happen that seems bad for you, God will use it. Okay. So it's really walking by faith as opposed to sight. And it's, it's brutally hard. I had more anxiety attacks <laughs> trying to walk by faith to say, come on, God, now, 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 it's really close now. You know, and the answer is it's walking by faith. So how I start my day, I typically get up at 4.40 in the morning and stuff like that. And I will literally read the Bible and listen to at least Charles Stanley and John MacArthur sermons in the morning and read my Bible. I, I say I have to start with God no matter what, no matter what's coming at me, family issues, uh, you know, my own issues, business issues, start with God and get grounded, you know, because then you get the context and he's going to give you energy. Then you're right. I had my time to bankruptcy in eight days in Italy. Somebody, you know, owed me $108,000. Uh, and I had a payroll of 22000 a month and I had 12000 in the bank. You know, he should have paid me. I called him up. He says, literally, Oh yeah, it's July. You know, the little girl that does the pay, yeah, you know, the pay accounts payable just went on vacation. Let's talk in September. You know, and I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, so I didn't only pray. I got mad, <laughs> very mad. Um, but I, I, I bought a van. I went there. It was uh, probably 50 degrees. I no air conditioning. I was literally dehydrating as I got there. But I did pray. And I said, God, you know, provide. And he did. But I don't want to, I don't want to use that as an example that he provides at the time that we think we need. It's not true. He's got a bigger plan. He's eternal. He's infinite. We're finite. Okay. And you just have to say that his answer is the right one, you know, and, and, uh, and, and let go and just trust him that he, he'll provide. If at one point, I did a startup in Italy. I had some financial backers. And at one point, and I was working literally 100 hours a, a week, um, one of the partners says, look, Nick, you gotta, you got to get generate this money or we're going to shut it down. And I, I remember this was before email, so it was faxes. I took that fax and I said, God, you want me to serve you here? This is the business that you need to bring me. If you don't want me here, so be it. 
you know, let it, let it go away. And it happened within the next couple of weeks, but it wasn't the fact that he provided me the exact amount that I needed. It was funny. It was the fact that I knew that's where he wanted me to be that made me really, really joyful. You know, I was ready to leave the business go. It's not about the business. You know, you want me to serve you as your light and your salt here? Good. And if it's finished and this is the only way you're going to rip me out of it by, by making the company go bankrupt, so be it. You know, sometimes we hang on to things because we kind of get vested in it emotionally and, and all that stuff. But the answer is, I've, I just remember, you know, having a walking by faith and saying, you know, you want me here? This is what I need. You don't want me here? I'm out of here. <laughs> so start by grounding yourself in the word. And, and that's, that's so, so key to not getting, you know, blurred <laughs> and because satan is ruthless your flesh is ruthless yeah you know, the world is ruthless in in wanting you to fall hmm. yeah. just a, a really quick follow-up uh if you wake up at like between 4 and 4 45 every day what time do you go to bed <laughs> so i typically go to bed i try to go to bed at nine o'clock you know that i'd say that's that's really where i like i rarely succeed i typically go to bed at 11 o'clock but you know but i've 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 got i've always had a lot of energy like when i was in university i used to i did two 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 degrees at the same time so i had seven up to seven courses and i also worked as a bouncer you know from from nine to three o'clock in the morning you know wake up at eight and so i i I maybe had five hours sleep and I did that for pretty much all my youth. So uh, I, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse, <laughs> but it's, uh, I, I don't need that much sleep or I never did. Um, so, but I do, when I do wake up, it's just a joy to know that I could spend time with God. <laughs> like, a bit like Jesus, when he went that you know, in the darkness, he says, like, I need time with God. And when I wake up, I said, God wants to talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) So, so let's talk. Okay. Well, thank thank you so much. Great. Uh, I think next was Jess followed by Scott. Hi, Nick. Um, thanks so much for being here tonight. Um, that last bit you said about like uh, anticipating talking to Jesus, that was really beautiful. Um, I'm someone that God hasn't called me at all to the business world, but like I'm still learning from you. And I can tell, obviously, just by the way you talk, that you're also very much into leadership. And I think leadership is something that's not just for business, but for a lot of other sectors. Um, so my question is, like, in your past 30 years of experience, what's like the top leadership principle that God has shown you? the truth you know speak the truth (laughs) that's yeah Uh, because it's not easy to say the truth because there's social pressures there's there's agendas and uh, you know there's fears and stuff like that but i say just speak the truth to people and and, you know there there was a value at um, at consolation (laughs) and it's bad news doesn't get better with time you know, and if you think about it, you know, because a lot of people, oh, there's bad news. I, I Let me try to fix it. I'm not going to tell anybody. And unfortunately, then it just gets maybe worse and worse. And then it really gets bad. And then it's harder to fix. So if there's some bad news to, 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 to be, how can I say, not afraid of the truth, even though it could be, you know, you could lose your job, say I really screwed up and, or, or you could lose, you know, Whatever you could look like a fool, or, or you think you might look like an incompetent. No, the answer is being the truth. Saying the truth is really, you know, I, I think the fundamental that people want out of leadership. Hmm. And then the model. So I, I worked in Japan where I could barely. <laughs> we spoke English, but we better, you know, we basically didn't understand it. So I worked in Brazil. I worked in Italy. I worked in Germany and France, uh, in the United States. And when I did find the servant leadership model where you're there to serve your employees, which means you typically work harder than they do you, and you help them out 
and you don't like browbeat them or, you know, kind of lord over them. You just kind of want to serve them from the bottom of your heart with the strength of God, because you do not be a servant leader if you don't have Jesus in your life. People will will treat you like a welcome mat and they will wipe their feet on your back <laughs> at any time. You know, so it's, it's, it's horrible. You don't want, but having God there as the real protector, you know, he's going to stop any of the abuse. So, you know, that's, that's where I also found that certainly washing the people's feet as Jesus did to his apostle is, is really an amazing, powerful leadership trait. People will, We'll have a hard time with it because there's in a second, why why is this person like that? But it it will bring people to to work for you because they know you're in it for them. Okay, we have Scott next. Thanks for the question, Jess. Hi. So, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you had been to all sorts of different regions of the world, right, throughout this uh uh, your, your time in business. And so kind of, you know, as a missionary in the business space, you know, what parts of the world have you found you've had the most success? <laughs> the answer is very simple. It's where God put you at that moment. You know? And you don't know why, you know, it's not about measuring how many souls you brought to church and stuff like that, because you might not know, you might just be that first injection of light. I had, you know, so I was in France. I was in, you know, in, in uh, we were doing some acquisitions. I was in banker's office and I'm talking to a couple of people about, about the Lord. And they said, we have never, never heard anybody talk about Christ within this environment. I mean, like it was so foreign. Um, and I just said, I was there. And then, so, but I didn't, I don't know what it does. I'm not there to do, it's not a numbers game. It's about staying close to God and not saying, you know, and, and, and therefore, so I was in Italy, I was in Japan, you know, and I remember in, the, in Japan, I was 30 years old and, and basically I'm trying to stop a division from being shut down. And I have 90 days because the Shirsan Lehman at the time was shutting it down unless we could generate 20, for 20, 20 million dollars in 90 days. And I really had a one-way ticket. If I failed, I didn't have a job and stuff like that. It took me 45 days to explain why I was there. <laughs> you know, uh, because, you know, and, and I thought because I was young, they wouldn't l listen to me. But it was amazing that I just kept on saying, God, you brought me here. And let me serve you. And, and, and that was successful. And, you know, and. I don't know how, where, when, but I remember the Japanese guys sending rest of the emails saying, never saw a guy like you, not trying to be that American shoving things down their throat and arrogant. And it, it really that servant leadership was, was what they were seeing, you know? And um, so I, I think success is, we don't know where we're successful. Um, we don't know how that seed goes in somebody's heart and what it's going to do. That's God's job. Mm. But if you you be what Jesus asked you, truthful and a servant at, in business, it's it's very powerful. And the beauty is that you're protected. You are so protected. You know, going back to again these evil people in, in Daniel six, where they kind of just you know they wanted to kill Daniel. It was nothing less. I mean, this this is not even you know playing a hardball. This is playing you know for keeps. And you didn't see Daniel kind of even fight. You know, he went to that, and I'm sure Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was the same thing when they were in front of the fiery furnace. You know, I think what's important is to trust God. Even if he throws you in the fire, he, you know, you cannot burn. That's how eternal he is or infinite. So the to walk by faith is amazing because then you could be that light and not be afraid. Uh, I had business things that were so impossible, transactions that were so impossible, you know, that I just said, yeah, but if God wants me to do it, no, nobody's going to stop him. <laughs> you know? And 
and it, and, it, and it was the case. And sometimes I was very confused because I thought, you know, God, this makes so much sense, so so much godly sounds, and boom, it didn't happen. <laughs> you know? And I had to let go and just say, oh, okay, it's not for me to know, you know. And uh, that was the tougher part, but, you know, it, uh, it gives you a lot of peace and joy that every day he's, he's sufficient and he's going to give you exactly more than what you need. Actually, as a matter of fact, more than what you dream of. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the funny part. Thank you, Scott. Uh, <clears throat> Helen, uh, you have a question. Thanks for sharing, Nick. I have actually two questions. So you have worked with non-Christians and also Christians in like many fields and you have led uh, many businesses as a leader. And I want to know how do you define a Christian leadership and what's the most important thing as a, as a Christian leader? And a second one, you have say that putting golfers uh, in our lives is the most important uh, wherever we are and could you give uh, some example like your like from your daily life how you put down your sure. um life so so i um i did an acquisition in france for a division of uh, a large um, defense group called eads so the ads is a side of, size of Lockheed. so they own airbus as one of their divisions so we bought we bought a um a division that made uh, walkie-talkies for for um, the police services, for for the uh, ambulances, and so on and so forth. And this was a division that was really garbage for them. I mean, totally, totally, yeah, they didn't want it, but, you know, they have strong unions, they can't close businesses. So we kind of came along and said, we'll, we'll, we'll take it and we'll turn around and so on and so forth. Uh, <laughs> you know, in a large company, and when you have these bad divisions, actually you have the worst leaders that are kind of put there. Yeah, and while all they're really doing is kind of biding their time to say, I got to try to hang on to my job until I retire. That's all they're doing, and they're trying to stop everybody. And as I got there, or as we're doing due diligence, I literally hear that in that division, the bosses said, and I say the boss is a very negative term, yeah, said, any innovation will be looked upon or any initiative is going to be looked upon as the first step to insubordination, you know, which means nobody does anything without me telling them to do something, (laughs) you know? And I remember when I heard that literally my stomach, I nearly felt like vomiting (laughs) to say, how could you treat people like that? You know, so the, the, the good news is we bought the company. We got rid of these two guys that were just the, the you know, the, the, the bosses. You know, they want to affirm themselves. Yeah. You know, now the weird thing is, so now I'm, I'm there going there and calling everybody by their first name. Well, I had to learn to stop to do that because I was giving them heart attacks. They had never been spoken by the boss, let alone by their first name. And if, the, the boss would even notice them and call them. It's typically to, to, to give them shit. <laughs> you know? So I used to go in and say, Hey, Sean, how are you? And like the person would nearly have a heart attack because, and it took literally two years before people kind of saw that you could serve them, you know, and I was there to serve you. And, and, you know, and, and, and they, how did I, I show them that I was there the first one. <laughs> And I was there the last one. And I was I was gone from my family four weeks in a row to restructure because there was a time to bankruptcy that was so close and we just had to do so many things. Now, I'm not sure if that was the right answer because my family suffered on that. And because having been gone so for two years, you know, just basically coming for a weekend every four weeks, every four weeks was, I believe, wrong. But I maybe got caught up in trying to save, to be a savior <laughs> of this company. But it did make a lasting impression on the people. And they saw that they were people and that they had ideas. And, you know, after a year, you know, they were raising up their hands and they're coming up with ideas and stuff like that. But it, so servant leadership works, mm-hmm. you know, but it, be careful that it doesn't become your idol, mm-hmm. you know, that you're serving, you're saving and stuff like that. You know, you want to be, you know, 
excellence, ambition. It, it, it's, you know, Satan's is a very, very sophisticated liar. Hmm. Your flesh is a very sophisticated liar. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, there's not too many Christian bastions that didn't fail, whether it's Moses, whether it's Abraham. You know, Abraham lied when he went to Egypt and when there was a famine. You know, hmm. he decided to go to, and he said to his wife, uh, say, say that, you know, kind of half lie that you're, you're my sister, you know. And so if, if, if the likes of, of those people are also fall into the pits, uh, forgive yourself <laughs> and, 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 and know that God, Jesus paid it on the cross, move on. And uh, so, but leadership comes with serving. Serve, serving leadership mm-hmm. is amazing. And it's so unusual that it freaks people out at the beginning. Love it. <clears throat> so we probably have time for one, if Phil, uh, two if Phil's quick, one if Phil's <laughs> long, but at least Phil's I question and me. maybe one more after that. And then we want to make sure Nick gets to bed before 11 tonight. So. <laughs> Phil, go for it. So, yeah, right on. Thank, thank you. Uh, thanks for taking uh, another question, Nick. So um, quickly, just how... When, when you talk about serving leadership, it, it sounds like you stay very vulnerable to people. Like you, your heart stays very soft to them. And so my question is, how do you not dissociate? Like when you have, you know, people saying, we need you to raise $100,000 by the end of the week. Um, how do you not just say, okay, the goal is X. And whatever you need to do is just, okay, I need to make $100,000 by the end of the week or something. And just kind of run over people. Because to me, I feel like there's a tension between serving people, loving your clients, loving your employees, and maintaining that attitude of servant leadership, and at the same time, feeling like you need what you need to get done needs to get done, and not just kind of dissociating and just get to the objective. Um. Yeah, you can't dissociate. You can't look at the objective because that becomes your idol. And that, you know, and, and you're kind of saying, God, I got this, right? And, you know, so the answer is, you know, it's, God, do you want this? And, uh, but like I said, the, the challenge, what you mentioned, is very real. And keeping your heart soft is an amazing thing because being able to love the people around you all the time, including your enemies, as, as we're asked to do, is so rich. <laughs> That's more than all the money that you could have. But it's so hard because it's so scary at the same time. That's because sometimes we forget that God is so big. Mm-hmm. You know? So I, I'd say it's, it's, I've learned to remove the armors of saying, you know, <laughs> I remember it was so brash. I mean, you know, everybody, so in private equity, everybody needs an MBA. I don't have one. But it was funny because I didn't get an MBA because I could have had one. I went to you know, I went to MIT and I said, I don't want to have an MBA. I want to teach MBA. Because <laughs> yeah, anybody can do an MBA. I want to teach it. So when I sent a letter to MIT and I said, I'd like to, you know, trade my my entrepreneurial skill set and what I call my my Vietnam scars for and to help um, the West Point environment to have some real you know point of view on business and stuff like that. Uh, let's do this trade. I, I'm not even gonna charge you a lot. And they kind of say, oh, this is a good idea. And I literally said, oh, wow, not interested anymore. <laughs> yeah, because they were interested in, in, in me teaching an MBA. So, so the answer is we could put a lot, or I needed also a lot of um, armor to feel good and to be listened to. As a matter of fact, I always wanted gray hair. You know, I wanted gray hair because I was always in this situation with these old people. And they said, you know, I'm too young. I need some gray hair. I want to actually wear some fake glasses just to kind of make myself look older. Yeah, something like I look now, <laughs> but when I was like 28. And 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 the answer is no. God's sufficient. <laughs> yeah, He wants your heart soft. You know, He wants you to to love the people that He puts around you, even if they're not lovable. And if you put that armor of you know looks, I mean. I got one kick-ass watch, you know, that would uh, back then was just to, how could I say, I don't know, just, just be a signal I'm important, right? 
But that's armor that doesn't let love in, or it doesn't let the pain in, but it doesn't let the love in or your love out. So you don't want to have that. You really want to say, no, it's, it's all about God giving me the tools in work to have the successes, to touch, to bring forth his kingdom at that moment in time. Hmm. You know, it's about that. And he's, he'll give you then more millions. Like, you know, Joseph ran Egypt, which was like running the world back then. <laughs> you know, and, and it's, but he had to tool them really, really harsh, harshly, you know, what I think harshly, 13 years in a, in a dungeon, you know, under being, you know, accused of raping the captain of the guard's wife. You know, could you imagine the bad treatment he had, you know, if, you know, so trust God in whatever you're going through, even if it's scary and stuff like that, just spend, spend more time with them mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and just, and, and grow that muscle of faith and not, not the, not the badges, not the, the school, the accomplishments, the successes and stuff like that, because he'll put you where he wants you. You know, he made David become king. He was a, he was a shepherd. I mean, he, even his, even his father didn't think he was worthy. You know? Not even, not even the prophet Samuel that was there. It's like, you know, it's like, Oh, him, you know, no, no, we want the, the tall guy that's strong, that's all built and good looking ahead, ahead, you know, it's, it's about trusting Jesus that he's formed you perfectly for his mission. Perfectly. You know, if you criticize yourself, anybody who criticizes their looks, their brains, their stuff like that, you are criticizing God's work. Be careful. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't take kindly to that. You're the perfect height. You're the perfect intelligence you got the perfect everything to serve him maybe not what you think should be the thing so i i use that too so that i'm not always castigating myself i wish i was as smart as this person i was i had that i wish i had this no i'm absolutely perfect for his kingdom hmm. and and that's why you know to maybe to to try to wrap up i think there's there's a lot of work that we can do, given that we're also downtown. There's a lot of business where all most of, most of us work, and um, and God needs leaders also um, to to bring light in some very dark area. Finance, for example, the love of money is really there, <laughs> you know? and you know we or or in sports, you know, like I said, if you look at the high young hockey players, they're making you know millions and millions of dollars. I, mean, I could tell you, drug dealers, prostitutes, organized crime go after these people big time just to, to, to get to money. You know, they follow the money better than, than anybody else. So, and we need, we need to be tooled to be there because it's not easy either because you know, the warfare is, is ruthless. <clears throat> Nick, I want to say thank you once again for all the time that you've spent with us tonight. Um, just a reminder, and I'm going to put it up as well. I, uh, if you guys are interested in being part of what, uh, Nick wants to do and, and get a group together, uh, reach out to me and I will send that along its way. Obviously you can reach out to me on Facebook if you want, but I'm putting my, um, my email address into the chat so that you can use that as well. Most of you know it, but in case anyone doesn't, it is there. Um, so grab it if you want and send me an email. Just let me know. Um, thank you so much, Nick, for coming. If you wouldn't mind, let's pray together to close tonight. Um, and then, uh, I will let you guys go on to your early night's sleep. I hope who's, who's getting up at four tomorrow morning, try to try to spend a couple hours with God. <laughs> let's, uh, let's pray together. Thank you. you. Mind if I pray, Chris? Oh no, that would be a pleasure. Yes, please do. Dear my father, we thank you for a being for picking us. Heavenly Father, you've made us richer than we could ever imagine. And we can't wait to be in heaven to really start seeing the glory that you really are. As a matter of fact, you know, that's what we are citizens of heaven. That's that's the end goal that we should attain. But in the meantime that we're here, we want to serve you for the days that you've numbered for us to be here to serve you, Heavenly Father. And we pray that um, if this, this touches people's heart, to serve um, in the workplace because it is a mission, you know, like 
a country could be or or certain sector of the population could be. Heavenly Father, we pray that um, you guide us as as a body to to have an impact, to really to really be the light and uh, the salt for the people around us that uh, we can touch. And if this ministry has um, a reason in in your um, in your kingdom, Heavenly Father, bless it and touch the people that we get together to uh, to obey you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, Nick. Everyone else, uh, feel free to stick around if you want to chat a bit. Uh, I'll probably open up some breakout rooms if anyone wants to go and speak to each other for a little while. Um, otherwise, uh, I'll see you guys next week. Or if anyone wants to come running on Sunday, uh, I'll, I'll put something on Facebook uh, or something like that, and we'll, we'll try to go running together. Thanks again. Yeah, and if anybody wants, uh, my email address, Chris has it. I'll gladly give it to you, but I think it's a good idea that we go through through Chris at mm-hmm. the beginning and stuff like that, so we could kind of coordinate and see how this um, kind of this startup <laughs> is you know could work. Yeah, you know? so so let's keep it agile and um, and let's see how we could uh, move it uh, forward. Perfect. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Bye bye. Thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more about what we were speaking about and the group that's being set up under Nick's guidance, please just let me know. My email address is in the show notes and I'd love to hear from you. We hope you have a wonderful day. We hope you come back to listen again. God bless you.